Praise the Lord. Good. All right. You know, I want to pray again before we, uh, before we get started. Father, we need you. In times of uncertainty, most certainly we need you. We need your wisdom. Your word tells us if anyone lacks wisdom that we can ask of you, and you will give us wisdom. We need wisdom to discern truth from lies, Lord, because we have uh, so many lies that are prospering in this land. Lord God, we need the truth to prevail. Father, open our eyes and ears. Let us see and hear the truth of your word that you present to us today. Please eliminate distraction from within us or even outside of us. Lord God, I ask that you would wash over us with your Spirit-filled Word. I surrender myself for your use to proclaim your Word to your glory through the name of our Lord and Savior, the one that we call Jesus, Yahashua. Help me speak clearly and concisely, Father. I surrender fully to you for your use. Please give me unction to speak by your Spirit what each one of us needs to hear. Lord, we operate in your Spirit, your Spirit alone. And in the name of Christ, I ask that you would bind any opposing spirit. Let there be no spirit of fear here, Lord. Let there be no spirit of Jezebel. Let there be no other spirit, Father, that we would discern the spirits as your Word tells us to do. And I ask, Lord God, that you would be with us as we go forward in Christ's name. Amen. I'm using Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21 to start today, and I would like, if you would, all to read with me. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, beginning at, And he changeth the times and the seasons, he removeth kings and setteth up kings, He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. Who is He? Anybody? God. Yes. As the young man said, God. God sets up kings. God. God. The first week of 2021 was filled with joy and laughter, praise and worship, and also with Tribulations for some, challenges, complications, and even troubles. No matter what, we must remain in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, to endure whatever comes our way, individually and collectively. Each of us must remain in Christ. He created us to endure, and everything, everything in our lives that we have endured, we were strengthened by God to endure. I learned a long time ago not to pray for patience, because when you ask for patience, God gives you the circumstances that require it, okay? And when we ask for something, sometimes we don't realize what we're really asking for because we're put up against a wall when we ask for something like patience, for example. And the the circumstances that come into our lives make us learn patience. God doesn't just drop a bucket of patience on us and we've got it, okay? I'm talking from experience, folks. You know... 
In ten days, the powers that be are set to install a new president. It's for these United States of America. That's January 20th, 2021. This will be the 59th presidential inauguration since this country's founding. The swearing-in ceremony will take place on the west front of the United States Capitol building. Afterward, the president will give the inaugural address. The swearing-in and inaugural address are ticketed events, and if you'd like to go, you can get tickets if you'd like to be there. You can find them online. You can find your congressman, because you've got to ask your congressman for this. You can find your congressman online, or you can call, and I'll give you the number, 202-224-3121 for the U.S. House switchboard. If you want to be there, they say that the tickets are highly coveted, or in high demand, that's how they put it, and they'll ask you for contact information and why you want to attend, and they give priority to community leaders and uh, those who are volunteers for certain organizations. As of January 4th, though, the Presidential Inaugural Committee recommends people staying home and celebrating virtually. But I want you to have this information because this is a representative republic. And you all are part of the representatives. You're the ones that choose the representatives. Excuse me. If nothing changes between now and then, this nation will install its 46th president. Now, the way things have been going, we're not sure that things aren't going to change. We don't know that they will, but we don't know that they won't. But if everything goes the way that it's planned, we'll have a 46th president. But no matter what happens, God's people need to understand that His Word tells us He sets up those in positions of authority, and He takes down kingdoms. He does that. So no matter what happens, no matter who is installed as president, no matter what the circumstances are, somehow in God's magnificent sovereignty, He is in control. We may not like the, the circumstances. We may see circumstances that don't appeal to us. But we have to remember that He is the one that's in control. And no matter what happens, we need to know what His Word says about that, so we're going to seek His Word for inspiration today. And we'll start with something from Daniel's Apocalypse. Most people don't call it His Apocalypse, but that's what it is. It's a revelation of end times things. It talks about things that happened then, and it also talks about things that are coming. The second chapter of Daniel opens with a story about one night when Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king, he had some nightmares and he couldn't sleep. And I'm paraphrasing so we can get through it a little more quickly. He was the, it was the second year of his term, and he called his counselors and his advisors, his magicians and other wise guys to come in to help him. He asked them to tell him what the dream was and the interpretation of it. And they asked him to tell them what the dream was so that they could interpret it. But Nebuchadnezzar demanded that they tell him the dream and interpret it, and they couldn't. So he mandated that they all be killed. Every one of them. Couldn't tell him what the dream was. They were slated for death. Not only those guys, but everyone who was known to have wisdom or a prophetic gift. They were slated for execution. In verse 16, 
we learn that Daniel asked the king to give him some time to explain the dream. This is in the second chapter of Daniel, verse 16. Daniel returned home. He told his three friends. And uh, these were the three young guys that would later be put in the furnace for refusing to follow the mandate of the king to bow down before an idol. Okay? Daniel asked his buddies to pray that the God who rules from heaven will be merciful and explain this mystery. And I would like us to pray right now that the God who rules from heaven would show us the truth. Father, we ask that you would. God, show us. You're the one that rules from heaven. Please, Lord, your word tells us your mercy endures forever, and so we beg you, we beg you, Father, that you would be merciful and explain the mysteries that we see before us even today. We pray this in Christ's name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Daniel wanted to keep everybody alive. That's what the Scripture tells us. And all of that brings us right down to verse 19. And this is where we're going to begin reading today. So if you would, open your Bibles to the second chapter of Daniel, beginning at verse 19. And if you have the Bibles there in your seats, if you want to open them and read them for yourself, you can find that on page 1373 on the left column about, I think, halfway down or so. I don't remember exactly. And I didn't mark mine, so you all got plenty of time to get there. Page 1373. Not quite halfway down the page. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Can we all bless the God of heaven? Amen. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with Him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the King's demand. I pray that God would... Add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Daniel was a true prophet of God. He was a true prophet. God had chosen him to bear witness to the truth that God had given him. He would deliver that truth to the people, whether they liked it or not, as was Jeremiah. Jeremiah was also a prophet a true prophet of God. And so the Holy Spirit here had Daniel say, God removes kings and God raises up kings. This is the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. 
And God's people need to recognize that it is God's hand, His sovereign hand, over all the affairs of man that brings the mayor, for example, into the position of a mayor. The senator, the congressman, the president, the king, whomever is in a position of authority. It's God that allows that to happen. Jeremiah prophesied, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, thus you shall say to your masters, I have made the earth the man and the beast that are on the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. Jeremiah said, God chooses who it is that will rule. And now, and this is Almighty God speaking, and now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And the beasts of the field I have also given him to serve him. So all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the time of his land comes. And then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. And it shall be that the nation and kingdom which shall not serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Now hear this, folks. There are many when our president, our current president was elected, said he's not my president. And there will be people, no matter who is elected as the president, no matter who is installed as the president, there will be people who say, this is not my president. Okay? But God says, those which will not, the nation and kingdom which will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and which will not put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation I will punish, says the Lord. With the sword, famine, pestilence, until I have consumed them by his hand. Therefore, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, or your sorcerers who speak to you, saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you, to remove you from your land, and I will drive you out, and you will perish. But the nations that bring their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will let them remain in their own land, says the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell in it. That's in Jeremiah chapter 27, verses 4 through 11, and that's not a message that any of us want to hear. If God were speaking this to us today, these would be more perilous times than we recognize them being right now. We are living in the perilous times that are foretold in Scripture. It's written, For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. North, east, west, and south. N-E-W-S. News. Oh, okay. Uh, Exaltation comes neither from the east or west or from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. He does that. Now, in this land, we know that we participate because we are at least for now, a representative republic. And we have a hand in democracy. We get to choose who it is that will represent us. At least, presumably, we do. There's some question about that over the last election, but I'm not going to get into any politics, okay? I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. But what I hear is, one group says this, the other group says that, and I say, let's heed what the Lord says. 
Let's look at his word. Let's see who's really in control. Because it isn't one political party or another. It is Almighty God, just as the little boy said. Out of the mouth of babes comes perfected praise. He puts down one and exalts another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is fully mixed, and he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. Now, if any of you know what wine is, when wine is made, especially in these times, they didn't have filtration devices, and there would be sludge on the bottom. They call it the dregs of the wine. And that's the worst part. Nobody wants that part. They try to pour the wine off the bottle without the dregs getting into the glass. And if you see things floating in your wine glass, you know you've got some of the dregs, okay? And he's saying that they are going to drink that, that nastiness, okay? That's what he's telling the people. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will also cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted, Those who have exalted themselves are going to be laid low. And those who are humble and righteous, he's going to exalt. This is written in the 75th Psalm. Now later, after Daniel had interpreted the first dream for Nebuchadnezzar, he had a second dream in which he heard the following declaration. Nebuchadnezzar heard this declaration. The Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17. It is God who does this. Now, he uses the people in this land because we have a representative republic. We choose those who represent us. And God moves us to do that. He rules. He rules. You know, Mary, when she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, she gave praise to God, and she said, He, speaking of God, has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Same ideas. You see, this idea of God being in control of who rules the people was known for a very long time. And somehow we've been blinded to that idea in this land, at least in recent years. There are many people who don't believe in God, many people who don't care that God exists, if in fact they have any idea of His existence. They don't care. Nebuchadnezzar was chosen by God. He was elevated to the position of king, and then he was unseated by God. He spent seven years in the field like an ox eating grass. God changed his heart from the heart of a man to the heart of a beast of the field. When God restored his sanity, Nebuchadnezzar, this high and mighty king who had proclaimed how great he was and how he had built up this kingdom, when in fact it was God that did it. He took the credit for it. And that's why God put him down like an animal. After he came back to his senses, he lifted his eyes to heaven, blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. And then he said this, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. God rules. God rules. 
We need to know that no matter who is in a position of authority, that it is Almighty God who is ruling. And if we, as the people of this land, have sinned so egregiously against Almighty God and His long suffering has run out and we come into a troublesome time, it is because He is in control of it, trying to draw His people to repentance. He's trying to turn our hearts back to Him. Now, I'm not accusing any of you of not having your heart on God, but I'm telling you this, as a land, we have sinned against Almighty God in heaven. He's the one that rules, and we've turned our backs on Him, and we can't expect any favor. We can't expect any mercy. We can beg for it, but we cannot expect it. And we must be people of prayer. We must be people who get into His Word. We must be people who bow our hearts before Him and Him alone, because He rules from heaven. No matter who's in a position of authority on earth, He reigns over the affairs of men. That's what's written in His Word. This truth about our Creator was once well known, long before now, and we would do ourselves a favor to comprehend and accept it. God's people are called to yield to the authority that He establishes. Now, before anybody says, wait a minute, I want you to hear what the Word says, and then we're going to clarify it a little bit. It's written in the 13th chapter of Romans, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Now, in this land, who are the highest in authority? No, we the people. We the people are the highest in authority in this land. We choose people to represent us and to serve us. Now, that's not well understood anymore because civics was kicked out of the schools a long time ago. But that's a fact based on the history of this nation. We the people are the highest in authority. That's not my understanding of it. It's not my opinion. That is what is as far as this land when it was established. Now, it tells us as we go on in Romans chapter 13, there is no authority except from God. That tells us that God set up this country as a representative republic, and anybody who would try to turn that over, anybody who would try to change that would be going against God. The authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Anybody that goes against God brings judgment on themselves. Know this, folks. God is the one who's ruling from heaven. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. At least that's what they're supposed to be. They're not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid." And I could say, be very afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger. Did you hear the second witness there? That's twice in the same passage. He's God's minister. An avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. If we are 
the authority in this land, and we hire representatives to represent that authority. We delegate authority to them. There is a document that's called the Constitution for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and there's a, there's a document that's called the Constitution for the United States of America. And those documents set the parameters of what we have delegated to those who are in positions of authority. If they overstep those bounds, they're going against God. And know that He will take care of it. Whether it's in our lifetimes or not is not our business. It's His business. It's written in Titus chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. And sometimes that's difficult. It's, it's hard for us to be humble when things don't look right for us. It's difficult for us to humble ourselves to the hand of God. And again, it's written in 1 Peter chapter 2, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, but not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. We are to be bond servants of God. He bought us. He paid for us with the blood of His Son. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is the life that we work to, toward. We're moving in that direction. No matter what happens here on earth, we are ambassadors of God for His sake to bring His kingdom to bear on this earth. But let's not forget that Almighty God set the people in this land as the ruler over it through our representatives. And that might be hard for us to comprehend because we have been bombarded with so many messages of we're subject to those people. They are representing us at least they are supposed to. Scripture clearly establishes boundaries to the command of yielding to human authorities. I don't know if you know that. Yours truly has written a book, and it's in the process of being published. It's entitled, No Authority Except from God. And in that book, I have chosen several instances in God's Word that show that God allows disobedience to authorities when they go against Him. And that's a fact. That's not my opinion. I haven't contrived this out of God's Word. It is literally God's Word. He shows us the examples, and every example in God's Word is there for our edification, to strengthen us, to build us up, to teach us. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. That's what's written in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21. We're not bound to blindly obey those who are in positions of authority whenever they turn against God and try to make us turn against God. If God says do it, nobody can tell us not to. If God says don't do it, nobody can tell us to do it. Do you understand that? That's the line. That's the line that God sets in His Word. For example, Moses Many of you have heard of Moses. You know Moses was the one that God chose to lead the Israelites out of captivity. And did you know that Moses' midwives at that time were commanded by the Pharaoh, the king, 
the highest in authority. Did you know that they were commanded to kill the male Hebrew children? And they refused. Did God punish them for going against the authority? No. God prospered them. Moses' parents also went against the authority. He said, kill the male children two years and under, and they refused. They hid their child, and at some point in time, put him in a basket, floated him among the reeds there where they knew that the Pharaoh's daughter would bathe. She found the baby, and how did God punish Moses' mother and dad? He let Moses' mother be the nursemaid for her own child, to raise her child. God did that. He didn't punish her for going against the order of the king. He prospered her. And Moses himself, used by God to oppose the authorities at that time and lead the people out of captivity. Those are three examples just in Moses' life. You think of Rahab, who, who lied to the authorities and hid the spies, went against those who were in positions of authority and saved the lives of those Hebrew spies, sent them off another way sent the, the, the guards away, the police, if you will, another way. Yeah, if you go now, you'll catch up to them. There's another example. There are many examples like that in God's Word that show us that if the authorities go against God, that we are authorized not to do what they say to do or not to do. God says, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together, and we gather here. We gather because His Word. It's written in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together as has become the custom of some. He wants His people to gather together, together as we are. He wants us to pray. If anybody forbids praying, we're to go against what they forbid. If they forbid worshiping, we are to go against what they have said. That's what His Word makes clear. There is no doubt in my mind about this whatsoever. Now, it's written in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44, in the days of those kings, the king of he the God of heaven, excuse me, will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. What kingdom is that? What kingdom is going to last forever? It's God's kingdom. What do we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is not our kingdom. We live here as his ambassadors, and we are to draw others out of the worldly kingdom into his kingdom, even as we exist within both. And that's where we can lose our focus sometimes, because we're in this world. We're not to be of it, though. When we're in this world, we're looking around at the things of the world, and we can get upset by them. We can get upset. Think about being upset. If I upset this glass, the water's going to fall out. We want to be filled with God's Spirit. We don't want His Spirit to be poured out of us because we've become upset by the things that we're seeing and hearing in this world. There's a hymn that we used to sing called The Solid Rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not touch the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. 
All other ground is sinking sand. Where do we place our trust? In Him, right? Not in worldly kingdoms, not in worldly representatives, not in worldly leaders. In Him we place our trust. And whether we like it or not, that kingdom that's spoken of there in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44, whether we believe it or not or we like it or not, that kingdom spoken of there is not the U.S. of A. And most people aren't going to like that. They're not going to like to hear that that is not the kingdom that's spoken of in God's Word. We have grown accustomed to the USA being this powerful kingdom in the world. But you know, God could knock it down because He raises kings and He takes down kings or kingdoms. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now in this land, as I've said, we participate in the process And Almighty God has permitted that process to be established more than 200 years ago. We've been given a representative process where we participate. God established that. But even now, God's sovereign will is playing out before our very eyes, folks. Regardless of whomever is installed as president... You've got to get this, okay? And I know it's not comfortable. If you don't like the guy that's in the office now, or you don't like the guy that's going to be put in the office, regardless of who that is, you've got to recognize that God's will is playing out. Somehow, some way, He says He will work all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. If those representatives become a terror to good and purveyors of evil, we have a duty by God to defend His Word, the truth. His Word defines our faith, and nobody in any position of power is permitted by God to alter that. And if the line is drawn, folks, we need to be willing to stand for what God says, not what man says. In fact, when Peter and the other disciples were arrested for preaching Christ, they were brought before the authorities, and they were beaten, and they were commanded not to go back out there preaching in this name, and they went out and they did it anyway. And when they were called back before, they were arrested. They were arrested and brought before the council again. And these religious leaders who were the authorities at that time They said, didn't we command you not to preach in this name? And what did they say? Did Peter and John say, oh, sorry, we just just thought we should because... No, they said, we ought to obey God rather than man. We ought to obey God rather than man. When it comes to matters of faith, when it comes to matters of life, when God says yes, we say yes. When God says no, we say no. That's where the line is, folks, and you need to learn to draw that line. You need to. Each and every follower of Christ needs to recognize that is the line where we tow. It is God comes first, then man. And there are lots of people who are in positions of authority will not like to hear this message, but it is the truth of God's Word. And I know there are very few preachers who will preach it, but God compels me to preach His Word in the fullness of it, whether or not anybody likes it. I've got to bring His truth, because His truth gives us life, and it's everlasting life. 
We have a duty to stand upon His Word as the truth. Our Lord said, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. It's written in Luke chapter 18 and verse 14. And he, humb- he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so we're not to become prideful. I obey God, not man. No. We need to stick to what the Scriptures teach. We're not to be prideful. We're not to be that way that God says not to be, no matter what anybody says. Those who put themselves above others in any aspect of life, those who put themselves above others generally even will be debased. They'll be put down by God. As Almighty God rules in human affairs, those who are prideful, those who stand above and look down their nose at other people, they're going to be put down by God. doesn't matter what position that they, they're in. Those who seek to uplift the authority of God will find themselves uplifted by God Himself. Remember, it's written, there is no darkness nor shadow of death. Now, hear these words because they are comforting and they are encouraging. These are comforting and encouraging words from God's Word, okay? You need to hear this because it matters. This is written in Job. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. For he need not further consider a man that he should go before God in judgment. He breaks in pieces mighty men without inquiry and sets others in their place. Do you hear that? God breaks down kings or kingdoms and he replaces them. Therefore, he knows their works. He overthrows them in the night as, and they are crushed. He strikes them as wicked men in the open sight of others. Because they turned back from him and would not consider any of his ways, so that they caused the cry of the poor to come to him, for he hears the cry of the afflicted. You see, there's where we have words of encouragement, folks. Pray. Allow God to hear your cries to him for just and civil government, that God's people would turn back to Him wholeheartedly. And we repeat the passage that tells us if God's people who are called by His name will humble themselves and turn to Him, repent of their wicked ways, He will hear from heaven and what? Heal their land. And so we need to be those people who are crying out to God for justice. We need to be those people who are crying out to God to turn our hearts. Let's not point at others. Let's point at ourselves. Where am I out of line, Lord? What have I done that displeases you? Help me to repent of it, Father. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be walking on your path, that narrow path that leads to everlasting life, the one that Christ himself proclaimed. He said it was a hard gate to get into. He said it was a hard walk. It wasn't easy. And standing for the truth by Almighty God will change your life forever and ever and ever. You've got to get that. This is about eternity. We are on the brink of it. God Here's the cries of the afflicted, and that's the clue. Let us pray to God for Him to elevate godly leaders throughout the world. We know 
that it is written. There is one leader who's coming who is going to demand absolute obedience to himself. And we know that religion is going to team up with him and tell all the people to do the same. Obey him. And they're going to take the passages of Scripture, like the one in Romans chapter 13, and in Peter's letter, and in Titus, and they're going to say, well, see, the Word says you've got to obey. You've got to submit yourself to the government. And well, remember, folks, we the people in this land are the government. Now, that could be suspended. That could be changed. We might find ourselves no longer empowered by Almighty God to be those who elect our representatives. And if that happens, we need to continue in prayer and praying to Almighty God that He would lead us, that He would guide us, that we would be His people who humble ourselves before Him, that we would repent of everything, even the minutest little things that displease Him. We can't ever say anymore, well, I've got this little sin in my pocket. I've just got, I'm going to keep it there, Lord. No, no more. He wants His people to be holy. He's calling us out of the world. He wants us to be His people. He is holy. And He wants us to be holy as He is holy. And that means repenting. You know, I had an old uh, Baptist minister one time. He saw God's hand on my life. He told me I was running from Him. I denied it, but I was. And he said, John, you've got to keep a short sin account. And I didn't understand what he meant at the time. It took me a moment a while, actually, to get that. What he's saying is, whenever you step over the line, immediately recognize it and tell God you're sorry. Keep a short sin account. In other words, don't let it build up in you, and then suddenly you've got all this burden of sin because Christ came and He took the sin away. We simply need to let Him have it. Surrender. Surrender all to Him. Allow Him to use your life to His glory. As I wrap this up, I want you to heed what is written. We look in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then he goes into the part that maybe some people weren't going to like, for kings and all those who are in authority. God tells us to pray for those who are in authority. It doesn't matter whether we like their policies or their politics. God tells us to pray for them. As a church, we pray for the President of these United States of America. We pray for those in positions of authority throughout this land. We pray for those in positions of authority in our local councils. We pray for those in positions of authority such as our county commissioners. Some of us know our county commissioners personally. We pray for them. We've met with them and prayed with them and for them. We pray for those who serve throughout the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, even if we do not agree with their policies, their mandates, or anything else that they say or do. We pray for them because God's Word says to. And that's not just, oh, all right, God, I'll pray for them because you say so. No. We're praying in love that God will turn their hearts to Him, just as He turned Nebuchadnezzar's. Now, it might take something that's unpleasant in their lives to get them to turn to Him, to repent. Nebuchadnezzar had to spend seven years in the field as a beast, eating grass. I don't know if you can get an image of that, but his hair grew, his nails grew, that's what the Scripture tells us. And when he came out of it, he praised God. He didn't curse God. He got it. It clicked. And that's our prayer for all in positions of authority, that they would comprehend that Almighty God is the ruler of all rulers. He is the King of all kings. And He tells us in His Word that Christ, our Lord, is the King of all kings. 
I'm not going to go into a big sermon about that, but I want you to understand, He's the one that rules. We're not in control. We may think we are. When we go into the ballot box and pull the lever or hit the switch or we write down whatever we need to write down, we may think we're in control, but God ultimately is the one in control. And no matter who is installed as the President of these United States, His Word instructs us to pray for them. It doesn't matter who it is. We need to pray for them. And why? His Word tells us there in 1 Timothy that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. When I hear people disrespecting those in positions of authority, and I don't care if I agree with the politician or the politics, I rebuke them. We do not speak wrongly of those that God has chosen to put in positions of authority. We need to pray for them. As God's people, we need to show reverence to God's choice. Because if God is the one that sets up kings and kingdoms and tears down kings and kingdoms, then we, in our reverence to God, are doing what? Exactly what His Word says. King's heart, it's written, in Proverbs chapter 21, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever He wishes. Do you hear that? May we be people who pray for God to turn those who are in authority, that He would turn their hearts to obey Him, no matter who it is, whether it's our current president or an incoming president or some president in the future. It doesn't matter which governor or mayor or whatever the position of authority is, we need to pray for God to turn their heart to Him, because His Word says He does. And if we ask Him for what He does, He will hear our prayer. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. There's a letter that John Adams penned to the Massachusetts militia on October 11, 1798. And I'm going to close with this, actually. He wrote in that, among other things, he wrote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly, completely inadequate to govern any other. And as we move forward in this new year, as we move forward, let us resolve ourselves to grow deeper in morality and faith, because we can have an effect We can have an effect if we go deeper into that way of morality, what God calls moral conduct. And let's urge others to do the same as we watch the sovereign hand of Almighty God move mightily upon the world. Let us urge others to grow nearer to God and leave all of that other stuff to Him. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, as Your people that meet in this building, we ask, Lord God, that You would hear from heaven, that You would turn the hearts of those that You have chosen to be in positions of authority throughout this land, that we would draw nearer to You as a nation. We know that there is a time when the people will say, peace and safety. 
and yet sudden destruction will come upon them. Lord, may this not be that time. It doesn't appear to be, but Lord God, we don't know. What we do know is that You are the sovereign of the universe. You have created everything that is, was, and ever shall be. May we be Your people who reach from here to You with our prayers, begging You to turn the hearts of those who You choose to serve us in this land and across the world. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.